Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the B2B Content Marketing Strategy Toolkit and what a fantastic episode we have to start off this podcast with because our MD, Faye Hawkins, has done a really brilliant talk on content marketing strategy and how you can use marketing automation to really engage your prospects and turn those into happy customers. Let's get right into it. So good morning, everybody. So um, the next 20 minutes, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to give you uh, a bit of a window into some of the work that we do. Just a really, really quick overview. So, so Firstbase is a, a full service B2B marketing agency. We, we work across a number of different sectors in B2B. Um, so what I'm going to do is just give you some of that kind of best practice um, and frameworks and strategy and hopefully some kind of tools that you can kind of take away with you to either you know, augment what you're already doing or perhaps just give you, you know, a few... A, a few pathways into getting started with content marketing uh, and automation. So uh, I've tried to condense it down into, into five essentials. Um, so this is what we're going to focus on uh, in the session this morning. So the, it came up in the poll of, you know, one of the most important things is, um, is, is understanding buyers. Um, and how do we actually then engage those buyers? Where do we find them? How do we actually get them to take the actions that we want them to take? Um, so that's the first thing we're going to look at. So we're going to look at you know, who are the buyers and what sort of journey might they be on. Um, we're going to talk about how to define effective content. And um, you know, that, that's always the, the, the kind of unknown for content marketing that you know, we don't know yet if it's going to work. Um, so just giving you some kind of strategic um, frameworks and, and input as to you know, how you can actually de-risk some of that content and you know, get a better level of confidence that what you're planning is likely to actually give you the result you need. Uh, we're going to talk about setting goals, um, telling a good story. Um, I've put that in here on purpose just because um, the, the session here, we're talking about content marketing, but also talking about marketing automation, which is very process-led, it's very structured, um, but at the same time, buyers are human beings, and you know, there is a role for creative. They still want to see great content. Um, there's loads of stats out there about the C-suite audience and you know, how much design influences them when they actually click on a piece of content. Uh, and then finally, how to kind of scale up with marketing automation. Um, so they do go hand in hand, the content marketing piece and uh, marketing automation, uh, just giving you some, some thoughts about how to kind of connect the two. So, um, so the first thing I've got here um, is really just to kind of set the tone. Um, I tend to find that um, you know, content marketing and marketing automation discussions are, are full of jargon and buzzwords. And you know, what is it we're actually really trying to do here? Uh, the simple thing that content marketing does is give information to buyers and the context for some of this, uh, if you think about you know, how the landscape of B2B marketing has changed um, over the last few years, um, the, the, in, the invention of the internet has allowed buyers to take more control. They can look at things without having to ever speak to a salesperson. So the role of marketing is more about helping them to self-select, helping them to find the answers that they're looking for to the questions they might have. Um, and ultimately, that's what content marketing is designed to do. So if you put yourself in the shoes of, you know, when you ever try and buy anything, you've got a set number of questions. What does it do? How does it work? How much does it cost? Who else sells the same thing? Who have you been working with? And, you know, the list goes on. And it, you, you can start to kind of understand, therefore, what content might we need that's going to answer those questions, uh, which works on a rational level. Um, but how you're going to get those people engaged in the first place um, is really the next bit that we'll talk about, about how to understand really what triggers them, what needs and motivations they might have that you can plan for. 
So, so the first thing to have in your toolkit for content marketing, um, and this is you know, without exception, uh, I would say, you, you need to have a buyer journey as a framework for planning your content and understanding where those buyers and prospects are on the journey towards becoming a lead. So where are they in terms of their purchase intent? How far down the buying decision process are they? Who is involved when and where? And what this, what this essentially allows you to do is, is to compartmentalize your content. So what role does the content need to have? Is it designed to drive awareness? Is it designed to get click-throughs and engagement? Is it designed to help people evaluate even, even further? So if you've already got them in your sales funnel, they've given you their email address, what's the next thing for them? What's the next question? And are we helping them to explore the products? Are we going to give them a lovely case study, some nice testimonials? Um, so planning the content for the journey allows you to kind of set out the breadcrumbs that people can follow. They don't always do it in a linear fashion, but the, the theory is there that we're going to present them with all of these things um, and they will be able to consume them at their own pace. Um, and as we heard earlier, there will be different stakeholders that will want to consume different parts of content at different areas of that buyer journey. Uh, so just a few kind of um, images I've, uh, I've taken off Google here. Um, the, the, the buyer journey that you use, you may already have it worked out um, for your organization. How do your buyers behave? Um, but the, the principles of it um, are, are, have always been known in marketing. There's nothing new here. It's just applying it in a structured way to planning your content. Um, so this, this top of funnel awareness, have they ever heard of you? Um, how do we help them get to know who you are? There's, there's then engagement. How do we give them something else that makes them interested? How do we help them do that little bit of evaluation and like, you know, figuring out what is it that we actually need? Um, and then justifying their decision. So this is where you know, very much the consensus part comes in at the later stages of a buyer journey. Um, they, not one person makes the decision. So whoever's done the evaluation and looked at three different suppliers, for instance, may not be the person that makes the decision. Very often they're not. Um, so, so you have to, uh, I guess, plan for all of those stages of the buyer journey and have the content and the answers available so that you can present it to them. What it does is give you a process. It allows you to see where people are at. You can run analytics on it. You can prove your ROI. Um, the, the challenge that we all have as marketers is we've spent a certain amount of money and we've got a certain amount of leads. That requires somebody to have started at the end there and clicked through all of these things in terms of the buyer journey. The likelihood of that is quite low. So you will get leads but over time. So it allows you to then present back a slightly different perspective that we have started people here. So if we're going for a new acquisition or new name type approach, for instance, um, you can say, how many people have we got in the funnel at all, rather than how many leads have we generated as a result? That makes a huge difference to the value that you can show uh, about your marketing efforts. Um, I'll start speeding up a bit here, but that's quite an important one. The, uh, so, so how do you use that buyer journey? Um, this, this is a slide that just gives you the buyer journey down the center here. Um, I referenced it yesterday. You might want to have a look at um, an organization called Serious Decisions. Um, Dart had their demand waterfall model um, in one of his slides. It's a B2B think tank for marketing. They do a lot of kind of frameworks and you know, um, marketing operations type information. That's their journey. Uh, but essentially, what, what you should do on uh, you know, taking this back into your own organizations, if you haven't already, um, on the left-hand side here, just plan what are those lead stages that we, we want to have and which ones are owned by marketing, which ones are owned by sales, and where's that handshake um, that Dart was talking about? So at what point do we consider a lead to be qualified? And then what further qualification might it need so that we avoid the, the conversation that often happens where the sales, salesperson responds with, thanks for all those leads, none of them were any good, 
um, please don't give me any more leads, we'll get our own. And you know, it, that's just, that often is just a case of like further qualifying what marketers have seen to be, you know, what look like marketing leads. They just need to be moved down the funnel to more kind of sales accepted. And then on the right hand side here, just take that journey and plan the content. Um, and this is where formats make a difference. So if you're going to try and do a top of funnel awareness piece, for instance, um, and you're going for a C-suite audience, probably putting a 38-page white paper on LinkedIn may not be the best choice. They're not going to sit there on their mobile phone in the morning scrolling through all of that lovely stuff. Um, just do enough to make them interested, and then you can progress them down the funnel and give them longer form, weightier, different types of content as you progress them, help them you know, get further into what they're trying to find. Uh, next one here is personas. Um, so it, it, it's kind of had a name check a few times. Um, why are personas important in content marketing? Well, uh, quite a number of things. They help to make it less complicated. So if you've got, there will be uh, multiple different stakeholders we've heard, you know, you need to you know, just consider the, the different types of buyer that would be involved in a decision. Um, th this is the output of a, um, a project for a, for a technology client. Um, and I guess one of, the, one of the points to make here is that personas are based on needs. So they're not defined by what job titles do they have, what particular characteristics do they have. They're defined by what is the challenge that this buyer is trying to solve. And that puts in context for you, how do we help that person to solve that challenge? And how do we engage with them with the right content and stories? So are we, if we can find out, for instance, that our visionary Vicky here, she's looking for a content that says, here's how you can do an even better job. Here's how you can look, in, look amazing when you go to the board. Here's how to define a strategy that's forward thinking. It's the kind of stuff she wants. Whereas Paul, who's also a buyer of the same product and the same solutions, is much more conservative. He's the guy that just wants it to not break other stuff. He wants it to fit with the big picture strategy. And um, it, it, these, these two personas are, are both kind of high level strategic decision makers. They may, have, they may have exactly the same job title. And that's where part of the challenge comes when you're trying to map data onto content marketing programs to get the right content to the right people. They behave completely differently even if they've got the same job title. So how do you, how do you know what's the right content? Um, how do we plan for, um, you know, Minimum wastage is the other way of looking at it, as well as getting best performance. Um, you may have seen a model like this before, just paid, owned, earned uh, social platforms. Um, looking at it in this way uh, just helps you kind of look at what's the best mix for us. So the engagement strategy is down to targeting. So who is it that we're actually targeting for what? And at what stage of that buyer journey do we think we're going to need to engage them at? So if it's you know, early stage awareness, we want to get some new accounts or new prospects into the funnel, uh, you might be targeting more kind of operational um, uh, or, or technical people, for instance. It's unlikely that you would target the CEO of a major multinational shipping organization and expect them to get into your sales funnel and enter their email address from you know, a LinkedIn ad. Um, so, so just thinking about it in context gives you some clues about which, which mix of media and engagement you should go for uh, according to what the goal is. What is it we're trying to do here? Um, so, so just think about it in that way. And then just on the right here, just some kind of, I guess, toolkit questions to, to ask yourselves. Where will we find the buyers? And who is the specific buyer that we're after? Um, which content then is most appropriate in terms of format? And what content do we already have? So it comes up quite a lot that content marketing feels like it's going to be expensive. Um, but you have got loads of content. You've been in marketing for years. Your organizations have got everything that you need in terms of portfolio, services, products, case studies. You've got all that stuff. What you may not have is top of funnel engagement content 
but that's the short form things that are actually fairly easy to do and you can take chunks out of existing white papers, make it snackable, turn it into infographics. You don't have to invest a lot in the content itself, just getting the angles right, the targeting right, and fitting into what buyers want is going to deliver you the performance you're after. So what sort of goals should we be looking at setting? Um, and we, we touched on this a little bit now but, uh, already, but just think about it in terms of um, what's the specific marketing goal that we need here? So are we going for an acquisition strategy, for instance, or are we going for an upsell or cross-sell um, outcome? So whatever that is, that gives you some clues as to what's the right content and who is it we should be targeting when and where on that buyer journey. Um, that then gives you some, some kind of uh, information about what should we track. So what is it we should measure? If it's top of funnel, you're probably looking for visits and engagement. If it's further down the funnel, you might want to have dwell time. You might want to have the number of emails that they've opened and clicked once they're in a nurture program. Uh, so, so, so the metrics change as they move down the funnel. Um, but ultimately, you're just wanting to track how many people have you got at what stage and what does their intent look like? So how quickly are they moving through that funnel? Uh, where are they falling out of the funnel, for instance, and, and how, once you've got a complete journey, that gives you the benchmark of like what has worked well for the people that we want it to work for. Um, so then, you know, repeat and scale. Uh, so yeah, just quickly, the, um, so telling a good story, um, the, the thing just to, to, to kind of make the point here, I guess, um, I mean, you guys know how to tell good stories because you've already got great content and you all work for successful businesses. So, so that in itself isn't different. Um, so keep doing what you're doing there, but just think about how does that story travel across the whole of a buyer journey? So you could be talking about in B2B, it's not uncommon to, to get into the 20s of the number of touches that you might need across an account to get to the point where there's a sales meeting that might happen. So if we're gonna tell a story that's about our company, about our brand, it might be about a particular product, it might be a campaign. Just think about how that plays out when you get into different stages of that journey. Um, and that's, that's really uh, you know, just planning your story arc. Uh, and then there's just some kind of, um, I guess, editorial guidelines to follow as well. So just about the quality of the content, the level of interest. And, and you can be your own harshest critic on this stuff because the, uh, the B2B marketplace is awash with content. And we've also moved to this model where buyers have the power so they will self-select and they will also completely screen out stuff that they don't think looks interesting. And you know that yourselves in your, in your own lives about how many emails you get with white papers with this, that and the other, and maybe you'll click one because it's got quite a nice title. So that literally does make the difference. Um, so, so, so definitely kind of, you know, stress test it. Is it actually interesting? Would you open it yourself? Does it look good? Does it, have you done the best design job you can do? Does it have a nice catchy headline? All of those things really make a difference when you, you, you're trying to engage people into a funnel. Um, what's unique about it? So does it have something that not only is different in the content, but allows you to talk about your value proposition? Um, so think about you know, how you can actually build in your own expertise, because that is what buyers want. They want to hear how can you make a difference to them, because they're also looking at everybody else's content if they're actually trying to buy something. Uh, and is it relevant? So, so this comes back to personas. So have we understood what their needs are? Have we anticipated what their questions will be? And have we therefore created some content that's going to help them solve that problem? Um, so you can just apply those you know, kind of guidelines when you're thinking about you know, reviewing content. Um, great if it's coherent and it tells a good story, but it also needs to tick some boxes about what's the purpose of the content and what you want it to do. Uh, and then just is it, is it realistic? So you know, um, 
there is a temptation to, to you know, make sure you drive as many clicks as possible and come up with some kind of massive claim that's really exciting. Um, people will quickly fall out of your funnel and you'll have wasted potentially a lot of spend at the top of your funnel. Um, so don't overdo it, try not to overcook it, um, but at the same time, just, just try and focus on something that adds value to those buyers. That's really what they want, is a value exchange if they're gonna go through a form, give you their details in exchange for something that might help them. Uh, and then, how do, we, how do you then kind of apply content marketing to marketing automation? And um, Dart may agree with me, I'm not sure, but the, the approach to marketing automation, it is helpful if you have a content strategy and a buyer journey, because that gives you the process that you can then automate. So uh, you, you can do it the other way. For instance, you could start with some kind of quick wins. Um, just look at, you know, for instance, in your data, you, you're likely to have people who have ever engaged with you versus people who have never engaged, and you can separate those into two groups. The ever engaged, you might put into a, you know, three email nurture sequence. Just warm them up if you can, give them something interesting. So there are some quick wins you can do. Um, it, it does always feel like you're kind of biting off a big chunk when you're looking at kind of, you know, defining personas and planning a buyer journey. Um, so I guess try and be pragmatic about it, but just take that principle that if you decide that there are some things that you want to do now today, then put them on a journey where the content progresses them. Uh, and that will allow you to just look at, you know, are we, are we generating leads here or are we just generating noise? Uh, and then as you, as you kind of, um, you know, kind of scale up in terms of, you know, what, what your marketing automation map looks like, um, things like dripping campaigns, so this is quite an interesting one because um, you can make your content do more work. So the later stages of the funnel are often common. Um, so things where it comes to talking about your services and products, there might have been five, six, ten different pathways into that content where you're actually talking about a service and what we deliver or a case study. Um, so having new content at the top of funnel means that you can move to an always-on marketing model. You don't have to have campaigns that have a start and a finish. You have things that you refresh something new, might be a new blog, might be a new infographic, might be a new piece of thought leadership, an article. Um, something every month just gives you new opportunity to get more people in that funnel that then consume the content that you've already got planned. Uh, lead scoring we mentioned, um, helpful, definitely. Um, is anyone using lead scoring at the moment? Yeah. Um, so yeah, a good, a good way from a content marketing point of view um, to collect behavior and look at intent. Um, so we set out these buyer journeys and hope that people will complete them. Um, but actually, you know, they, they behave in different ways. And so you know, they, think about how you, how you consume other, other people's marketing information. You might click on an email here, think, yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, not look at the white paper, not click through, but then maybe hit the website and then maybe find a tweet that's interesting. And all of these different touches, um, it, it's, it's more of a flight path than it is a linear journey um, that buyers tend to take. So lead scoring helps you collect all of that for the same person. That's one of the big values of marketing automation. So yes, you can scale in terms of process and like getting, getting the right information out to people without having to look at what they did. Um, but at the same time, you can also just look at, you know, are people showing intent and good behavior here that means that we think we should be trying to connect with this person and give them a call. Um, lead dev sequences. Um, so there was a question yesterday that came up just about once you've got to the point of having a marketing qualified lead, then what? Um, and your marketing automation platform can really help you with this. So you could create an actual or fictitious person who's your business development rep. Um, and that person might send an email to say, thanks very much for downloading these things. 
we can see that you're really interested in this, here's something else that you might be interested in, um, and can we have a call? And you start to have that sales engagement without having a salesperson. Um, so I don't know if it's a familiar thing for you guys, but this kind of sales and marketing alignment, there definitely needs to be collaboration about what are those stages of lead qualification that you, you, you set up in your automation platform. Um, but then the bit in the middle, if you don't have an inside sales team or if the sales guys don't really want to do that like extra qualifying bit, that is something that as marketeers we can take on and marketing automation will allow you to do that without taking up your day job. Um, and then finally, just, just attribution, like the very last thing um, just to think about, automation just gives you the big picture of analytics, um, as you probably know. So save yourself some, some heartache on reporting and trying to connect all these different bits of information. Um, and then it, it, test and learn. So that's the value of it, really. It helps you figure out what is the optimum pathway for you, which content works, how do we deliver leads most effectively and efficiently that have the best ROI. And there we go. Thank you very much. Just on time. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the form is preferable, I guess. Um, so uh, the, the way that we, we tend to do it is um, it requires primary insight. So we need to talk to the actual customers who have bought from you. Um, and the big question that we want to understand is why? Why have you bought? Not just from us, but why did your business need to buy anything? Um, so what are the drivers and the needs that you know, we can uncover in those conversations? Um, try and get a good covering of different types of buyers. So again, the different stakeholders. So don't always you know, kind of interview the same type of person. Um, sales teams are a wealth of information um, on these things. They talk to customers all the time, even when they've not been successful. So they will have a really good handle on why people are buying. So what is it that they're actually trying to solve? What problems have they got? Um, and then that translates into how do we then kind of categorize the needs? Um, so with all the kind of qual information, uh, we, we would look at it from a kind of cluster analysis, what topics come up frequently, what kind of keywords can we see that come out a lot in those interviews? Um, and then there is a process of validation because there, there is some, some kind of, um, it's not quite guesswork, more like informed decision making. Um, but we have to define what we think the personas look like. Really good, simple um, test of validation is do you recognize them? Um, do you, when you talk, can you actually say, yeah, this is exactly that person from this customer? Um, that's quite anecdotal, but it does work really well. Um, and then just in terms of other types of validation, because you, you need to be right about them before you kind of you know, wholesale decide that we're going to go on a persona-based content journey, um, is to look at your data. So, so the personas aren't designed specifically to you know, have certain job titles attached to them, but you can very often say, if there's a persona here who's a strategic or executive buyer, they are likely to have these job titles. And then just have a look at your own data for those personas to be true of your business, people who actually buy from you, you should find good representation of those types of data. So doing a data count, if you find no data that supports this is, a, this is one persona we think we have, then you need to have another look at that because that doesn't yeah, suggest it's there. Yeah. 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 So thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions for us here at First Base, if you have any questions for Faye, please do let us know. We'll be more than happy to get back to you. Don't forget to follow us on the socials, share this podcast with everyone you can. 
And if you enjoyed it, make sure you leave it a rating. Thank you very much for listening and we shall see you in the next one.